Welcome back to Higher, everyone. The podcast where we help you reach higher in your career and learn with and from experts in recruitment, entrepreneurship, marketing, and many more about what it takes to become a leader in your dream industry. But first, play that funky music, Nikki Simmons. Did you know that I wanted to be a marketeer slash advertiser after I left uni with a degree in integrated coastal and marine management from Fana Lardstein University of Applied Sciences? Whoa, does that even fit in your CV? Quite the mouthful. It doesn't, actually. I feel like 95% of the people that think of going to business want to get their start in marketing. Dreams of Don Draper much? Fast cars, glittering billboards, Armani, incredible sex appeal that magically materialises. Exactly. Well, let's pop that bubble, shall we, and explore what it actually takes to make it in the world of advertising. Kicking us off is the incredulously brilliant Juan José Rodríguez Álvarez. Another mouthful. Which is why he goes by Juanjo, dear. Juanjo will take us deep into the world of advertising, a world that's glittering as it is challenging. To talk about what it takes to get in and make it. And to share some of his most savage career advice that you can apply wherever you are. Let's go get it. And follow us on Instagram. Go hire podcast. And we're successful, baby. All on a Monday morning. Uh, I know, I'm sweating. Who is in the virtual studio with us today? It is Juanjo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're so happy to have you here. Um, what we do ask our, our, our guests every week is to give us their best elevator pitch. So you've got how many seconds, Tom? I'd say like 13 story building. 13 story building to give us your best elevator pitch. <laughs> Off you uh, go. Thank you very much for inviting me, Nikki and Tom. I'm Juanjo Rodriguez. I'm a co-striking advertiser and brand advisor who's based in London. I've been reinventing brands and how to engage them with people since the late 90s. Throughout my career, I've worked across multiple countries, cultures, and agency types and very different industries from fast food, automotive, to FMCG and tobacco and spirits. You name it, I most likely have done it. But regardless <laughs> of the discipline, I've always come back to an area that is very dear to my heart and just keeps my pump, my blood pumping which is activating brands through strong insights to make people really fall in love with them. Oh, wonderful. We actually have to talk about that later, how we're going to activate our own brand. Mm -hmm. God damn. So, uh, dear audience member, if you've been on the show with us before, you know what's coming, you know what's about to happen. We have asked um, Juanjo to keep some of his best kept career secrets and tips and tricks until the end of this episode, because we want you to... Well, either zoom all the way to the end of that's all you're after because it really is quite juicy, but actually to stick around with us and um, enjoy the ride. So we will dive a bit deeper into where Juanjo um, came from, where he got his career started, and what it actually means to work in this fascinating and whirlwind world of advertising. But first, we do enjoy doing a little bit of myth busting. So I've personally been looking forward to asking this question ever since we started talking about making this podcast um, in the first place. Advertising, marketing, fame, fabulousness, fancy cars, power. That's what a career in advertising is all about, right, Juanjo? No, well, that's a very good question, Tom. And it's one of the biggest misconceptions that we have 
Uh, it's that the advertising industry is just all about fame and glory and money and models. <laughs> but that's the way that, that television and cinema want to portray the industry. And although there are some client accounts that still showcase little glimmers of, of that 1950s glamour, advertising is all about resolving your clients' problems and finding ways in which people will really want to hear more about the brand that they, that they own. My question or my myth to bust is about digital. Is mm. digital everything or, you know, do, do we have to, is that the only way you can get into these businesses? And, and even in general, in, in work in general, like everyone says, you have to have digital, you have to be able to do this, you have to be able to do that. Is that true or false? Do you have to be a digital native to get on well in this business? It's false, Nikki. Digital is, is important for, for the industry, but it's not at the heart of it. It's not the heart and soul of, of the advertising industry. Advertising is human nature and passion combined and melanged together. It's about connecting people and brands, products, services. And how, to, how do you achieve this? It's all through emotions. People are humans and we have emotions. Digital is just the discipline that is going to help us as advertisers and and companies as brands to create and change mm. attitudes or emotions but it's not the holy grail it's not going to resolve a, a brand problem you have to see the bigger picture and how people will react to a digital environment you don't definitely need to be a digital native i wasn't a lot of my peers weren't and and they are really good at what they do so you just have to be open to learn about it but at the end of the day, it's all about human emotions and connecting people with emotions and brands. I really love how you return to basics, you know, this, the, the tried and true ingredients and formulas to being successful and building brands in advertising and marketing. Because we have these big, like, hype trend words mm -hmm. come around, like, once a decade, there's going to be a new one. You remember the Agile program that was all about design sprints and this and that. Eventually, they're all tools to get you to a certain mm -hmm. destination, which I think you've verbalized quite well. So... We're not quite finished with um, <laughs> with storytelling time. So we've um, debunked the Don Draper myth, which great tragedy to me, um, <laughs> horrible. And we've talked a bit about how the industry has changed. But you've been in the game for almost two decades. Or has it been two decades? Yes, it has. It has been two decades, <laughs> which is an, an amazing achievement yeah. considering that you're actually 32 years old. So... Um, <laughs> in all of this time, because the, you were there before the industry had sort of like contracted a little bit and before the money has become a bit less to do all of these outrageous things. So you must have at least one of these, you know, wild stories um, about something outrageous that can only happen in advertising land for us. Do you care to dazzle us a little bit? Yeah, well, there are many stories and all through the spectrum of the type of stories that I might tell. But uh, I will never forget having to rush through Monaco in the middle of the Grand Prix with one of my clients on a moped all through the side streets of Monaco to be able to go from one of the, the VIP terraces that, that the client had all the way down to the pits where the VIP just like viewing point was. It was literally mind-blowing to just think that I was clawing into my client's <laughs> shoulders <laughs> because I was terrified of going so fast on a moped. But but it it's something that I would have never envisioned to literally have to, to ride on the back of a moped with a client at full speed. It was literally <laughs> like, I felt like Sandra Bullock on speed. 
That's amazing. Look, I think we have time for one more story though, right? For sure, Tom. Okay. I think we have more okay. time. So come on, keep dishing. Give us another one. Well, it was it was with with this same client. I had to go to 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 a, a, a video shoot in the Czech Republic, and I had to take uh, a lot of mock-ups for the product uh, because, of course, they, they weren't available anywhere. And I do remember that I had to literally almost beg the people from the French airline that I was flying with to make sure that the suitcases were going to be arriving to Prague. And lo and behold, the lovely people from the airline sent my suitcases to Los Angeles instead of... <laughs> It's pretty far away. <laughs> it's literally on the other side. <laughs> very, very far away. And at the end of the day, I literally spent three days wearing shorts and a polo shirt. No pack mock-ups. It was very uncomfortable until uh, the people from, from the crew, they were able to go into the nearest town and find me jeans, pants, T-shirts that were non-like... Non, fit to my body. So I looked literally like a clown for the whole week in, in, in the <laughs> Czech Republic. But but it was it was fun. You just have to roll with it. Uh, everyone has to go through this type of things and and I'm sure that in every industry you do it, but but in advertising you have the craziest things happening, both in inside of your building and, and also when, when you're out and about with clients and, and finalizing projects. I've plenty of those stories as well, working in the sport industry at events, crazy <laughs> events, even as an athlete as well. Like you arrive, your stick wasn't there or something like you just had so you many. You couldn't play. Yeah, you just had like rushing around, especially during events was, was the craziest one. And you had VIPs as well and just had mm. some stories that you're just do such stupid things you think at the time to like get these things to the people that you think are the most important <laughs> in the world and they have to have it and you're just going crazy. It's it's fun, though. It's a, It gives you a bit of energy and excitement in your job as well. No, it does. It's also if you so because Juanjo mentioned also you're working with clients. It depends a little bit on who is your client, how mm -hmm. uh, how much like cash mm -hmm. do they have available to ship you around the world and do ridiculous things. One of my first gigs was um, the client wanted to refurbish their office. But so they obviously needed inspiration as to what kind of furniture they wanted to buy. So we had sort of a black Mercedes limo. We flew to Berlin and stayed there for three days. And the black Mercedes limo <laughs> driving to fancy hotels, having fancy cocktails to look at chairs. So it's still out there. It's still possible. But I think... Um, Working with clients has become a bit, little bit more practical, you know, mm -hmm. as the advertising landscape has changed. But let's get into this whole advertising gig. So let's take it from the top, Juanjo. Give us the 411 on your journey into advertising, because if I remember correctly, you didn't study anything even remotely related to it um, when you had your start. Is that right? So, yeah, it's totally, totally right, Tom. Uh, I never envisioned to, to be an advertiser. Ever since, since I remember, I wanted to be a genetic engineer. And in order to, to do so in Costa Rica, you have to, to become a, a doctor first. So I went to med school and I did the, the whole nine yards, going to anatomy classes, labs, and just pulling all nighters, trying to learn all the different parts and veins in the body. Mm. But after three years, I, I realized that I was not even halfway through my career and I would be in my mid-30s by the time that I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do. So on a whim, I literally went to the admissions office and, and asked for, for one of the, the career books. I flipped it open at random, pointed with a, my finger and read, and it said advertising. 
So I literally moved to the Faculty of, of Mass Media Communications for the next <laughs> semester without telling my parents, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went blind, completely blind into the career, and I fell in love with it immediately. Um, it, it was very different to the way that you study advertising now. So I had to take a lot of art and design and photography and things that potentially you, you might not be focusing in, in, in when it's a specialism. But uh, I finished my career in the mid-90s. And then I decided to... You finished to... your career in the mid-90s? You rich? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you to university in the mid-90s is what I'm hearing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. So after I finished uh, my degree, I took a, um, an internship with Young and Rubicon in Costa Rica. And I was literally thrown in the deep end from, from the first day. My boss, she was in the midst of launching the the online platform for one of the regional banks, which nowadays it sounds like ridiculous, like online banking is is day in, day out. But at that point, that was something that was not happening. So she was never in the office. So I literally had to do all the work for her, prepare everything, brief everything in, make sure that the work was right, prepare it for her to review at the end of the day and, and just make sure that that the work was going through which mm. was quite daunting because i just had come out of out of uni but it was so empowering to to be able to get to do stuff that normally as an intern you might be able to get like photocopies here and there and just <laughs> run around with briefs but i was doing the work and and amazingly enough uh, after like five months of doing this uh my boss left and i had to train the new the new senior account manager that was that was on the account and it felt so good to be able to teach and mentor someone uh into what they should be doing even when she was way more experienced than i than i was um and af- after that i stayed for about like six more months yeah no five months it was a, a about a year completely unpaid internship this is something that I will never forget or forgive, the fact that I worked for free for one year, but it was completely worth it. <laughs> they, they offered me a job at a printer's, and I said no. I really wanted to, to stay there. Um, we were about like seven interns in total, and out of the seven, two were going to get hired. So I literally took a gamble, stayed, and amazingly enough, they had just won a pitch for a very big fast food uh, chain. And I was proposed as part of the core retained team. So suddenly I ended up becoming the, the shopper marketing and and brand advisor for, for Burger King in Costa Rica and, and all their branches. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to literally immerse myself in, in their world and, and try to see how to, to best solve their problems. Uh, after a few years, I ended up deciding to to separate myself from from YNR or Young and Rubicam, and went to work with the people at Sachi, and stayed with them for <clears throat> sorry for uh, a few a, a few years, and then I was called back by my former bosses at YNR, and they offered me a really good position with Colgate Palmolive that I couldn't refuse. So I went back and kept on working with them and 
just trying to to do what I do, which is just make people fall in love with quintessential brands. And and after that, um, I was approached by the people at Grey Worldwide. And that's when my world literally changed because it was for a role on a tobacco brand, uh, a British tobacco brand. Although it was in Costa Rica. Mysterious. <laughs> Mysterious. <laughs> Nobody knows which brand. But uh, I took a leap. And that's when I started working in what we call below the line or activation. And I literally saw how bright the future could be. Uh, this was still very early on and when, when tobacco brands were still able to communicate and do a lot of things that nowadays are, are not viable. But I literally saw how much you could do and make people engage with the brands without relying on, on a TV commercial. Mm. And I realized that that's where I needed to be. And suddenly I, I said, you know what, I'm not going to potentially be doing any more um, above the line or traditional communications. And after a few years, uh, I was sent to the UK. And uh, I was still working with, with the, the same company, with Gray. And it was literally when, when the, the, the financial crisis hit. And it was a little bit daunting because I had been here for about like a year. And they requested for me to move to Moscow. And I said, you know what? No, I cannot do that. That's not the right move for me. So I stuck to my guns and stayed here in London. And suddenly I went through a lot of the the, the communication groups agencies on, on assignments that they would send me. But um, I stayed here for a few years, did client-side roles, did short-term contracts. And then I was approached by an agency as a freelancer and started working with Coca-Cola for the UK. And it was for, for their iced tea brand, which was a partnership between Nestle and, and Coca-Cola. And it was where I saw Shopper. And, and Shopper is, is my new holy grail. And after that, did some, some work with the people of uh, uh, Leo Burnett in Paris. And then I came back to, to the UK after three years. And now I've been working with some maternity contracts um, as, as the, the market is changing quite a bit. But the beauty of this maternity contracts is that it's shown me a lot of other brands and categories that I had never envisioned to work with. And I've stayed in Shopper ever since. Shopper and activation is, is what I do and, and it's what I, I will see myself doing for the foreseeable future. It's about connecting people. Wow, what a journey you've had. <laughs> like, I know you said it was two decades, so there's a lot of time there. A lot of <laughs> but it's an amazing journey. And at to the age see, of 32. Yeah, at the age of 32. It's fantastic. Um, but listening to the stories and the different things that you've done and the choices that you've made has been incredible. And I think we want to dive a little bit into that, especially the moment you were offered to go to Moscow and you decided not to go. And there was other moments in your in your career that you did mm -hmm. that. You made decisions for certain reasons, yeah. right? You could have gone a completely different way, even from university, right? You could have gone a completely different uh, career path. So can we dive in a little bit more into that and tell our audience, like, 
the difficulties in making those decisions, how you can make the decisions and, and how you made them yourself. Like what were the what were the things that went through your head and, and how you ended up in that on that track? Yeah, with with the case of Moscow, it, it was it was quite quite a just like decide right now what you want to do. You either go to Moscow or go back to Costa Rica. And for me it was neither of the options. Uh, I literally had to to stay true to myself and and I knew that the future of my career was lying in in, in my home, not my homeland, but mm-hmm. my home. And Moscow, I never saw it as as a home. I had been quite a few times there, but it never felt home. It was the first time that I realized that I was quite far mm. from home. And when I thought about that, my biggest question was, where's home? And that's when I, I knew that it was London. It it might have to do with the fact that I, I've spoken both English and Spanish since I was pretty, pretty young. But in London, I've never felt out of what the city embodies and, and what the culture is. And with the industry, the same way. And and I knew that I, for me, it was not going to be something that would give a lot back into my career if I was based in, in, in that country. It's a beautiful country, Russia, but but Moscow was not right for me. So I, I literally would say to people, you have to go with your gut. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Just you will find your way. It's a great piece of advice. I love it. Mm, no, it's a wonderful yeah. piece of advice because sometimes you sit there and you're thinking, oh, this might be a fantastic, mm. you know, step for my career. The company is really great. But if then you're just miserable nonstop. Your salary because, is good mm. as well or, you know, the package is good, but it's still mm. not right. It's a balancing act at the end of the day. But what's going to sustain you um, is how do you experience your life? You know, does it feel like you wanted to feel um, irrespective of whether this is the best move or not? There's always a range of um, of options and choice if you're in a pinch like so you also uh, mentioned that you had worked your career through a sort of financial depression so that's when you sometimes you have to swallow the bitter pill and do things mm-hmm. but if you have range and if you have time to think about it see if you can find something that you know may not be as perfect but still allows you to sort of you know to live life in the way that you wanted to where you wanted um, to to take place um i want to talk a bit more about this first internship that you mentioned because there's so many um very glamorous stories out there but also stories of horror where you just get to do coffee and take notes and meetings and it's terrible so um i'm sure that every internship in the creative space or in the advertising space um comes with this like crazy level of responsibilities that you got to, and growth opportunities that you got to enjoy in your first year so it was a bit of a lucky draw um my question really is for an intern for you it worked out but generally speaking is that even desirable if you're thrown into the deep end um so much yeah i think that for for a lot of people, internships might be a gamble, but in my case, I think that they are the best things since sliced bread. It really will it, it does <laughs> enable amazing. you to to learn about the overall creative process, but it also really helps you to find which is the area within the, the macro business that you really fit in and that you can really give a lot into it. That there is nothing that will compare to an internship with what you learned at school. You literally just learn so much. And, but what I would advise to people is just make it meaningful. Don't take an internship for a month. I, I think that that is, is not something that is going to give you any, any added value. Mm. You have to be there at least for six months. That, I, that is what I advise always people. 
make sure that you can learn and also give back to the team that you're working with. And with this, what I mean is just give your ideas, give your point of view, speak, become someone more grounded and rounded. But internships for me are the best way to literally A, get into the industry and B, just learn the ropes. And what should the people look for in a company for internships? Because as you said, sometimes they're you don't get paid anything, right? Mm. So that may be one thing that you might want to look at first <laughs> if you're going to yeah. get paid. But is there anything else that you, you should look at, like more importantly, maybe what the qualities of the manager might ha- have if you're going for an interview, if you feel comfortable with them? Is there other tips that, that you can give? And I think you're, I hear you're a great mentor. So maybe you can dive in a little bit more into mm-hmm. that as well. So, yeah, I think that people should, first of all, analyze what's the, the core competency that the agency has what's their brick and mortar what their clients are what's their specialism and and then that way you might already see if if it's something that that you see yourself uh, working with also what's the type of structure that they have is it a hierarchical company or is it flat structure flat structures literally give you a lot more exposure mm. you cannot hide from not doing the work or that's where you literally are are thrown as well into the deep end to to be able to help and collaborate. But the area of expertise that the agency has, that's one of the first things that you should be assessing on. Is it the right fit for what I want to do in the long run? And from from what you have to do and what's your attitude towards the internship, I, I would tell people just, first of all, be curious, ask questions. There's no dumb question. What I really don't appreciate this when the interns literally just sit there and nod and and they don't ask i want people to to have a thirst for knowledge Mm. and and that is something that i always try to to foster in in people working within my teams and also i ask them to to literally just go and sit with people nowadays with the pandemic it's a little bit different but when you get the chance to go into an office go and sit with people talk to them across all departments learn what they do what makes them tick? Just be curious and don't be afraid to give your recommendations. Great ideas will come from anyone in the company. And I've seen it one too many times in my career. You can literally be surprised with, with the type of ideas that, that very young people from university can come up with. And at the end of the day, what I would say is just try to learn every day something new from someone, how they do things and what makes their creative process a little bit uh, better and easier. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I would tell them is you need to have fun. If you're not having fun, just don't go. Don't get out of bed. <laughs> you know, those tips, though, should not just be for people in internships. I feel like it could be for everybody, right? You can mm-hmm. Go yeah. and learn from people. Try and make sure that the your function's not in a silo. Try and interact with other functions. Talk to people, as you said, like... It shouldn't stop, right? It should those mm-hmm. those times because then again the company will grow because the ideas are being shared around the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also having fun is one thing that I think everyone should do anyway, whatever job they're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or trying to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> trying to anyway. There are tough days, you yeah. know. There are things that are just you're you're up for like until until the middle of the night, especially if you're in advertising. You're mm-hmm. the, the these agencies are very fast paced mm-hmm. and very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough environment to be in, but if you have that, you know that that thirst, mm-hmm. as uh, as Juanjo said, it's a wonderful place uh, place to try your strength. And as RuPaul said, if you're not entertaining yourself, then what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> what is the point? Um, 
I want to hop into um, into skill building and skills in just a second, but two quick anecdotes anecdotes to what um, Juan Topo said from my life. The first, my first real job, I was so excited, I was so thrilled. I had just been declined for another one where I had put on my best Zara blazer and I just marched straight into the office, demanded to speak to human resources. Mm-hmm. I think I've told this story before. <laughs> Didn't get the job. Two weeks later, I got a random phone call and got hired. In the first meeting that I was in with... Um, with the vice president, I was like, oh, my Lord, he's like, God, he's walking in water. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and I had something to say. And I, but I raised my hand and he was like, yes, it's like, well, it's my first day and I don't have any experience, but could I share something? And he said, I wouldn't have invited you to the meeting if I wanted you to sit there quietly and silently taking notes. Then why would you be here? So speak. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Okay, so you know you can even ask. It's like and what you a, never stopped, and I never stopped, <laughs> and I never stopped speaking since. This is five years ago. And I've been <laughs> so naughty! How dare you throw me under the bus like this? Anybody who's listened to any of these episodes previously, they know what she's talking about. I can't stop myself. But let's hop into skills a little bit, and I want to talk Ooh. about the masters of business administration, the MBA. So. It has the reputation still to this day as the great opener of doors, you know, but it's also crumbling a bit. There's a thing called MBA fatigue, um, where there's just too many of them out there. It's sort of like the same sandwich keeps coming out of the factory and the flavor is becoming a little bit stale. So my question to you, Juanjo, is do you think that a completely sort of straight advertising record and the MBA to boot gives candidates the best chance to, you know, join your team um, and deliver value? Or are you more so interested in the outliers, you know, the diversity mm. of thinking that comes with people um, from from different industries, with different bra- uh, backgrounds, people that may have studied, um, you know, urban planning and culture? Mm. Yeah, in, in my case, I'm going to be very transparent about it. I rarely look at what are the degrees that the people have. <laughs> I might I might have a, a whisk through their CV and see, okay, oh, well, this, this person studied microbiology. And, and then I start thinking more of why would they want to join my team rather than saying, oh, this person has two MBAs and has a bachelor's and a major. And for me, that is, is, is not an added value. What you learn in school is, is important, but it, it really has to do at the end of the day with what makes you thrive. And what really is is going to be what makes you come into the office and, and give something back. I've hired people from very diverse backgrounds, from fashion, acting, pharma, just, just to name a few. But at the end of the day, it's always been a thing of attitude and what they really want to bring to, to the table and, and, the, and how passionate they are, rather than seeing if they have an MBA or, or two. Uh, I do remember uh, a team member of, of one of my teams who was very, very upset during her her appraisal because she was not getting a pay raise. She said, I have an MBA. And I said to her, sweetie, we all do have an MBA. And, and it's not something that is going to give you that cutting edge anymore, especially if you go straight from your your bachelor's degree or your your major into an MBA, I don't necessarily think that it's going to give you that added value. If you are 10 years in your career and you decide to to get an MBA, that's when it becomes much more empowering for mm. you. But straight out of uni, I, I think that it's it's not the right state, especially 
from a money standpoint. It's too expensive. Yeah, I love how you brought that up because so many people, especially in the States, go straight from mm. their university into MBA. And, and I find it so weird. Like you need to have more life experience before you go back mm -hmm. and do that. And like, because then, yeah, like you said, just because you've done that means you should get a pay grade that is like you've been working for 10 years because you did that. I think that's a brilliant point. And, and to anyone listening, I think it's important to think about that, right? Take some time, maybe mm. go back after, like you said, 10 years, or I did the same. I went back and did a master's, um, when I was 30 or mm. 31. So, and for me, it just, I could see the difference. We had some young people in our class compared to the older people and you could see the difference and the and the maturity and what's coming out afterwards was very different going mm. into the job market. So I think that's a really great tip. Thank you. You need to choose your program with, with purpose. Mm -hmm. No, a lot of the, the job market is still structured in a way that it can be hard to just, you know, get that first job to get you going. If you've got um, no university education, it's not impossible by no means. I think networking, showing up with attitude, showing interest, showing, um, you know, you can if you say I've been running our student union, which then expanded into sort of like a local initiative um, for cleanups, and I've been doing campaigning for this for three years next to my university program. No school can teach you mm -hmm. that, and I think that yeah. is a very powerful credit on your CV. If you do study because it is expensive, I completely agree. Do it. I always said I will do a master's when I need it. Mm -hmm. So when I reach a point in my career where I say I don't want to transition into a different industry, I want to get to the next, that next level of responsibility and I need to show more credit for it, that's when I'll do it. And like you said, um, I've done it last year, actually, when, when I was um, 30 and supposedly middle-aged. <laughs> actually, Alexander, if you're listening, so if, at, the end of the, at the end of the episode, the little beat, the little guitar that's playing, that's the son of a friend of ours has played this record and um, shamefully called me middle-aged at uh, 29 years old. Last year, so. <laughs> oh no let's get back Moving into on. our skills <laughs> because otherwise we'll just talk about everything else um transferable skill set it's definitely one of our favorites on our show so we'd like to get a bit more out of you from on this side of things and on our quick pre-chat you spoke about you sometimes people thinking you as the tobacco guy because you worked in the industry so much and with lots of different people um but also you've heard you know, on one more than one occasion, you're great, but overqualified. Um, you know, what is the transferable skills that are the transferable skills that you bring along throughout your career since all the way back to university, but things that have made the difference for you when you're moving from from different companies to different to yeah, different companies or different contracts, whatever hmm. way we want to put it. But what are the skills that you've brought all the way through? In my case, it's always been about putting myself in, in the consumer's shoes or the shopper's shoes. My biggest task has always been and is always going to be finding how I would make myself buy that product. If, if I cannot find a way, then, then it's, it's something that it's not viable. But for me, the biggest thing, regardless of the industry, is to think like the people that I'm trying to, to get to buy in into the, the product service or 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 the brand that, that we're working with. And that is across every category. You can do it with telecoms, you can do it with electronics, you can do it with fast moving goods, any brand. Just think of the way that people want to hear from the brand. And, and that is what I always bring to the table. I put myself in their shoes. What do they want to hear from, from the client's brand? And and that's what's made me a little bit different from people. It's it's not a, a big secret, but 
just put yourself in their shoes and walk a mile in them. And mm. then you will understand what they really want from a brand. That's brilliant because that's you think that sometimes you get those ads and you're just like, what is this ad? Like they obviously <laughs> yeah. didn't think about it, right? You just think like, where did that come from? <laughs> Makes you think, but it doesn't really make you go to buy the product. So that's really, yeah. I love that. And it's brilliant. Mm. Now, we really want to get more into actual advertising and what it's all about because i know tom's been dying to have this month yeah. for since we started talking about the <laughs> podcast which i think you mentioned at the start of the podcast too so let's get stuck in tom i just want to quickly mention something that juanjo talked about five seconds ago which is put yourself into other people's shoes and walk a mile in them at the end of the day if you google how to do this the word empathy is going to flash up all of the time and most people think about it as some sort of mythical attitude that you're born with but it's actually much like curiosity we spoke about that with matt during the um, lego episode it's something that you can practice mm -hmm. to have at the front of your mind when you start making decisions about how to bring brands in front of people so i just want to quickly also demystify that word a little bit it's something you can train and practice um, but I want to ask a very dangerous question. Dangerous as we are approaching the end of our actually a lot of time with Juan Ho. And I know that he will want to talk about this for another hour and a half. <laughs> what is advertising really like? You know, so many myths, so many fantasies, so much, like I mentioned earlier, fabulousness. But seriously, um, above, give us like in two minutes, this is your challenge. But the good, the bad, the gorgeous and the ugly. Yeah, well, you said literally one of the key things of the advertising world, Tom. It's very fast-paced, regardless of, of the size of the agency. It's always going to be very fast-paced. We are always on a race with many hurdles, many stakeholders, and the end, end game result, it always has to be to knock it out of the park mm. every single time. You know that budgets are always going to be a challenge. Clients, and, and nowadays, it's even more more constricting, but we have to find ways on how to make it work and deliver the best output. In 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 addition to that, there's there's no greater sensation that that you can get from seeing a great idea come to life, especially when when the challenge is the budget. But seeing that being rolled into the market and people really reacting to that, it's it's something that has no price at all. But it's it's a fast-paced world, lots of work. You might work late. We all do it in any industry, which is, is not a surprise. But but yeah, the key thing with advertising is you're always on a race against mm. the clock. And it changes a lot, right? So we're just going to mm. quickly talk a little bit about that, about how it's changing and what the big trends you might see going forward. And anyone listening might be able to you know, be ahead of the game a little bit if they're coming into the industry or are looking at working in the business. Is there anything that you can give us, you know, big trends wise that people could start mm -hmm. looking at if they wanted to jump into the business? To get ready yeah. from a skill perspective. Yeah. Sustainability right now is, is a really broad and current interest across the whole industry, anywhere from packaging, shopper, retailer, activation, anything in these disciplines is going to be one of those hot topics. So any way that you can make a brand be more sustainable and, and eco-minded is going to be a really good value to, to bring to the table. So when you come into, into an agency, just come with that mindset, a greener mindset. And, and that is something that people will appreciate because they, they like to see how to, to make things more conscious. Mm. 
I'm loving the way I'm loving the way that we're finishing, almost finishing the episode on this note because we've just come out of our month on careers and sustainability and impact. And one of the things that we actually talked about, I think it was with Andrew um, and with uh, Suds actually, is how like thrilling and exciting that world can be, even from an advertising, marketing, campaigning standpoint. So you can have both of these things and then very easily transition into more conventional um advertising and uh, promotional gigs with bigger brands if you wanted to because this like impact environmental social governance space is so hot at the moment if you have that on your cv and you know in one way or another it's going to be gold forever but you know like nikki said i've been excited to talk to juan juan to do this month on like advertising and actually figure out what it is for the longest time so my mind is blown i need to you know calm down take a <laughs> sip of water and um let nikki take us to over the finish line yes, nikki now Juan ho well i hope you kept your top secrets till the end or your top tips because now is your chance to share them with our audience so if you have those two three we normally go with three but so yeah off you go what's your top tip number one well, first of all, you have to wear your heart on your sleeve. And I'm not saying this because I'm Latin. You, you literally have to show your passion. Just be passionate and be proud of it. Mm, love it. Brilliant. Number two. Trust your instinct. Go with your gut. I love how sharp these are. Number three. I know, brilliant. You need Succinct. to find your voice. Just find your voice and, and use it. Express yourself. And that will take you places. Amazing. I love that. Is there one more? No, so there quick. was three. There was three? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Bam, bam, bam. Done. Bal- love it. That was brilliant. Mercy. I'm telling you. So, Juan, thank you so much for your many wisdoms and for your time today. It has been a joy, a pleasure, and I call you about five minutes to talk about it with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been really great. Thank you very much for inviting me over. Really happy to, to be able to share a little bit of, of what I've done. Thank you so much, Wanho. Mm-hmm, that was a fabulous episode. Next week, we have an old friend of mine, Nicola De Beer, in the virtual studio, serving us a scoop on how to get into her world of agencies, sales and promotions and stay in it. Some of the best career advice we have had so far. I might be slightly biased. And that South African accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's, Let's go, go get, get it. it.